Hi everyone, I'm Laura Lang-Lapard and this is episode 4 of To Pause to Learn, Effective Teaching in the Church. This podcast is for those who want to talk about what it means to teach the faith effectively to people of all ages. We're going to cover issues with teaching Sunday school to the wee ones in preschool all the way up to those feisty teenagers, confirmation, and how to develop a culture of participation in adult Bible study. If you think you're not a good teacher, you will love this podcast. If, the, if you think you're already a good teacher, you'll love this podcast because it'll make you even better. And we all know good teachers are always looking to be better. As promised, our topic today is an introduction to the narrative stage of faith education, and that is preschool to second grade. Today, we'll focus on preschool and kindergarten, and next week will be first and second grades. So, welcome, and let's get started. The tip of the day today is, never forget that God is the main character in every story. Never forget. Sometimes we make it about David, or we make it about Samuel, or we make it about Paul, but we must never forget that God is the main character in every story. Okay, there are five stages of faith education. Narrative, preschool through second grade. Knowledge, third through fifth grade. Understanding, sixth through eighth grade. Reason, 9 through 12th grades, and wisdom, and that is the adults. So the first question of today is, since we're going to start with those little kids that are so adorable, what is the narrative stage? Well, friends, the narrative stage is the wonderful years when great stories turn into great learning about the God who loves children more than they can imagine. Stories have special importance to young children. They become a part of a child's life and their worldview. It's not important that they understand everything about them. It's not important that they think deeply about them, but it's important that we lay the groundwork or the foundation so that we can build on them as they grow. This stage is a beautiful time in a person's life, and one reason is that when parents or a trusted adult tell them that Jesus loved them, they believe it. They just do. They trust what their parents say, so they trust that Jesus loves them. There are no questions. This person, Jesus, whoever he is, loves them more than anything. He even died for them, whatever that means. They don't understand the concept of death and sin and forgiveness, but they do know Jesus loves them, and so they love Jesus. That brings us to question two. What is special about kids in the narrative stage? Well, for one, they are very cute. And for two, in these young years, the brain is like a Bunch. Kids learn from everything they come in contact with in a very active way. So I'm going to give you a little snippet of what that looks like for preschool and kindergarten. In preschool, those adorable four-year-olds are very curious explorers. They're friendly, but they don't understand the concept of friendship. 
They usually play next to other children and not with them. They just don't know how to do that yet. And they may be talking to themselves as they play. And that's all perfectly normal and fine. When in groups, you may hear them trying to decide who is the boss. They do that too, because they see that there's always somebody in charge, like, you know, the mom. They can't yet use words to identify their feelings, and they're also still spontaneously affectionate. Enjoy it, my friends, because it goes so quickly. Preschoolers also struggle with fine motor skills. And they don't understand time except for now or not now. So as far as they're concerned, years ago or yesterday are simply not now. Play is very important in their learning process. They mimic adults and pretend to learn rules and manners. And they will play with characters and stories. But most likely, they will not be able to tell or retell a story in the correct order. When it comes to rules... Preschoolers will often need reminders. They thrive on structure and routine because it gives them security. I'm going to say that twice because sometimes people forget this. They thrive on structure and routine because it gives them security. If they haven't been to any formal preschool, they will not understand some of the classroom rules or really how to interact in a class with a bunch of other kids. Give them time to get used to those rules and be consistent. Now, kindergartners, or kinders as I like to call them, they are still very active learners, but they are a little calmer than they were last year. They have an understanding of right and wrong and empathy, but they're still challenged using feeling words. They just can't really describe their feelings very well yet. They are, however, beginning to understand friendship. They can play with, like, with others, but usually it's going to be one at a time. And they can see the benefit of sharing and getting along. You might even see some jealousy when other kids play with their friends. And they can't yet see things from someone else's point of view, so they don't quite understand fairness. They understand more about the rules, and they may take them more seriously and they may also get upset when other people don't follow them, which can lead to the little tattletale syndrome. These little wonders also love to please people who are important to them. And they love attention. So you may see a little bit of singing and dancing and silliness um, because they're looking for some attention. Kinders think very concretely. If the Holy Spirit descended like a dove to them, that means because of pictures they've seen and because somebody said it was like a dove and they can connect to that, the Holy Spirit then is a dove to them. They also continue to soak up information and they're able to remember facts like their address and phone numbers, songs, poems, short Bible verses, hint, hint, short Bible verses quite easily. With regard to time, they understand now and later better, but they still struggle with in five minutes. They don't quite get the feeling of the length of a minute or an hour. Of course, time passage feels relative to all of us. Years ago sometimes seemed like yesterday, and an hour-long class can seem to take forever. Now, 
On to question three, how do we manage these little dynamos? Kids in the early narrative stage are very active. They can be noisy and wiggly, and they may be challenged to understand personal space. They'll need rule reminders. And to teach the preschoolers what the rules are, try modeling them. Instead of just telling them where you want them to put their pencils, show them where you want them to put their pencils by putting your pencil in the right box or the can or the cup or the cubby or wherever the pencils might go. Please be consistent with your rules. Kids this age like boundaries and consistency. Again, it makes them feel safe. They thrive on structure and at this age, redirection can be your friend. Also, if a child is being particularly wiggly, ask him or her to be your helper to get their mind off of whatever it was and onto something else. Try giving simple jobs like pick up the blue paper or move this chair over there and point to where it needs to be moved or simple jobs like that. When possible, give students a couple of choices. Anna is using the red crayon. You can use the blue crayon or the green crayon. Do you want the blue or the green? And here's the big one. Use assertive I messages. I need you to sit down in your seat. Okay, I need everybody to look at me. Stand there and wait. Everybody look at me. You can hold your hand up. You can use a puppet or something. Everybody look at the puppet. Um, but wait until everybody is looking. And don't speak when they are still talking. Just say, I need everybody to look at me and wait. And if somebody is being particularly naughty in continuing to talk, you just say their name. Joey, I need you to look at me. Now, every once in a while, a child will become overwhelmed and start to ramp up into what we call a tantrum. First, try redirection. If that doesn't work, then don't give them a lot of attention because that is what they're looking for. And it may be what they get when they're at home or somewhere else. And somebody then, the minute they start melting down, they get a lot of attention. You can just say something like, we can talk when you calm down. Please sit down in your chair. Or if you have a special place for kids who are needing to sit down and focus, you can have a special chair. Just tell them, we can talk when you calm down. Go sit in the blue chair. And give them something to hold unless they throw it. If they throw it, they don't get anything to hold. Question four, and this is the biggest question. How do we effectively teach preschoolers and kinders. This can be super fun. Play and make-believe are very important to children this age. Both preschoolers and kinders love to play and pretend, and it's very important for them to be allowed to do so because they learn so much through it. So the best way they can learn about the Bible is to play and pretend about the stories they hear. Make sure that you find a children's Bible that has really good illustrations, usually more than one to tell a story. It's okay to find some online to support whatever your story that you are reading and print those out 
because kids need pictures at this age. So when you're going to read stories, don't just start reading. First thing you want to do is introduce the character. Introduce the story as well. This is David. Or this is a story out of, about a boy who trusted God enough to do something scary. Don't just do the main character. This is David. And then show them the picture of this is King Saul. Or this is David's dad. His name is Jesse. These kids also love words. Ah. Rhyming words, nonsense words, baby words, animal sounds, made-up words, and even naughty words, which we are going to ignore if they say. Please pause to explain words they may not know. And if there are a lot of them, then this book is beyond their understanding. And this brings me to my one caution. There are a lot of very popular rhyming books out there that may seem cute and appropriate for young kids, but if you look at the vocabulary used in those books, you will see that in order to make some rhyme, people have chosen words that may be beyond kindergarten and preschoolers' understanding. So be cautious about that, and please, as you're going to tell the story, don't just ignore the fact that the words may be too advanced for this age. It's less important that they rhyme than it is that they understand the story as you tell it. Also, as you read, ask the children to point out things in the picture. If at the beginning of the story you said, this is Samuel, or this is Jesus, or this is David, as you read, ask children to point out things in the pictures that you see. For example, which one is David? Which one is David's dad? The purpose is to get them to notice other things in the pictures or as they listen. Then ask them to use feeling words. Does Samuel look sad here? Does David look happy here? Use the simple feelings because they don't know the complex words like frustrated. Do they look frustrated? They won't be able to tell that from a picture book. But they will tell happy or sad or does he look angry? Those simple feelings they can recognize in somebody's face. Also, have storytelling tools. That would be toys, puppets, dress-up clothes, props, anything you can think of. And I had one preschool class that they somebody asked me to come and watch their class. And when I walked in, there was this big, huge refrigerator box standing in the corner. And I was like, oh my, they can't get that out of here? And she pulled it out, and it was a boat, it was a lake, it was a river. It, it was many things in many stories. She used that cardboard box. Oh, the kids loved it, and she used it as she was telling the stories. It was fantastic. I didn't even think of anything like that, but it was cool. Keep in mind that you want to give opportunities for the kids to practice telling the stories back to you and to each other. Preschoolers especially will probably get things completely out of order um, or just completely wrong. But kinders, they can understand the beginning, the middle, and the end of a story, and they will be better at retelling it. It doesn't matter if they're good at it or not. You can correct them and say, oh, no, that happened later, remember? And then they can try again. The important thing is that they don't get them too wrong because we don't want them taking messages home that are super wrong. 
and then having a parent show up later and, you know, asking questions about why their kids are coming home with bad information. Anyway, here are some other Bible teaching tips. You could include movement in your stories. It helps kids remember what comes next. For example, if there's a great wind, then they could be waving their arms. Or if they are, are the waves in a boat, when the stories of Jesus and the, the disciples in the boats and the waves are coming up, then do the wave motions with your, with your hands and your arms. There are all kinds of motions that we can add to stories to help kids tell them. Another one, when you read or tell a story, wear the storytelling hat. And when they tell the story, have them wear the storytelling hat. Another one is tell the story using a rhythm pattern. This works really well with short stories. But just give it a little bit of a rhythm and then they remember it a lot easier. Kindergartners can be asked a little bit harder questions, such as, who are the people in the story? And they could list more than one. Uh, where did the story take place? And now I don't want to hear Bethlehem or the name of the city. I'm more concerned about, was it outside? Was it inside? Was it in the city or in the country? Or, or even they could say it was in a big building or, like for Christmas, it was in a barn. Simple, simple answers. Then you could ask, well, what happened in the story? And see if anybody can come up with a general idea like Jesus was born. Okay, that's a pretty obvious one, but it still is good. You can also ask, this will be a little harder for them unless it's obvious, what did God do in the story? So if we're talking about the story of David and Goliath, what did God do in the story becomes very obvious, though it's not always stated in the story. It depends on how the children's Bible is written. What do you think would be a good title for this story? Oh my gosh, this one can be super fun because kids, especially preschoolers, they're going to come up with some crazy stuff. Let the kindergartners use pictures to tell the story back to you if you can find good pictures. Oh, you could also play the Then What Happened game. I like this one. Have one student start the story and then ask, then what happened? And another student continues the story. And then a pause again, then what happened? Sometimes this can be really, really fun. And every once in a while, one of the kids will say, that didn't happen yet. And that's okay too, that's, that's good. Well, then what happened next? They did this, oh yeah, okay. So they can work kind of as a team in telling the story back. Now, this is an important one. Most Bible stories have a central truth that can be simplified into a phrase for kids. I suggest that you repeat it at the beginning of the story and have kids repeat it multiple times throughout the reading. For example, with a story about young David, you could say, this is a story about a boy who trusted God enough to do something kind of scary, but he loved and trusted God, and you can too. So that central truth could be, trust God and he'll take care of you, or God loves David and God loves me. And you check that little rhythm out, that'll be so easy. If you say that 10 times, kids will be going home. 
God loves David and God loves me. And they'll just keep it right on going. Kids this age just love to hear stories over and over again. And it's okay. And it's even a good idea to tell them the same story in the same class many times before letting them tell it back to you. You could use different ways of telling it to them. You could read it the first time, have them act it out, and then read it the second time and see if they can fill in some blanks and see what happens with that. It's okay. You know, they watch the same shows over and over again. They read the same books. They want to read them over and over and over again. And then guess what? You've, you've all seen it. They open up the book and they can't read the words at all. And they look at the pictures and they tell the story from the pictures. It's a beautiful thing. The other thing I want to say is please get a decent children's Bible that tells good stories and has good illustrations. It's really super important at this age. I've seen some that are okay. I've seen some that shorten the stories just a little bit too much. And I've seen some that just have one illustration for the story. That can be a challenge. So then again, go online and find them. Well, friends, that's more than anybody ever wanted to know about preschoolers and kindergartners, huh? But when you're teaching, you need to have a foundation to build on. You don't know what to do unless you know something about who you're teaching. So the next time, I'm going to tell you all about first and second graders, and that'll be a lot of fun. Don't forget, if you've got a question or a curiosity you'd like to have answered, you can contact me and we'll talk about it here. For example, maybe you've got some problems in your, in your Sunday school classroom. Maybe you've got just a challenging child. And maybe your adults just won't speak anytime you ask a question. That's okay. Whatever it is, if you've got a question, I've most likely got an answer. You can submit questions using the form at carpentersministrytoolbox.com under the podcast tab. Send me an email at laura.langhoff at carpentersministrytoolbox.com or find me or Carpenters Ministry Toolbox on Facebook. What is this carpentersministrytoolbox.com? Well, that's where I provide educational resources for teaching the faith, and many of them are free. You can also find my books, The Art of Teaching the Faith, which this podcast is based on, The Art of Teaching Confirmation, the book and the resource leader's guide, and others on Amazon. A student workbook is available on my website for The Art of Teaching Confirmation. So until next time, my friends, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Romans 15, 13. Bye-bye.